Hello and welcome to the Paint It Goddess podcast with your host Jennifer Hershue. This is episode number 49. Well, hello witches. So nice to have you here. Thank you for listening. My name is Jennifer and I am the founder of Paint It Goddess and the host for this podcast. Paint It Goddess is a magical container for healing and divination. I host retreats as well as events and I teach. So I teach astrology and tarot, basically divination tools to help you on your path to whatever you're seeking. (laughs) So, which is hopefully yourself, by the way, because many of us, um, myself included, are on this journey because we've lost sense of what grounds us and what is um, meant for us. And so all of my work is really focused on self-love, advocating for self-inquiry, and also to help us to understand what it is we're doing in this world. Um, I sure know that I am uh, seeking that wisdom every day in every way that I can with enough courage to see the truth and see my darkness, see my light, And every day I'm gifted so much wisdom from those that I connect with. And so many of you have reached out, which I am so grateful for. And this kind of circle of magical people that I know is growing. And I want to just take a moment to encourage each and every one of you to reach out if you have never done so and tell me hello. Tell me about yourself. Um, Let me know how you found the podcast and what it is most interests you. I am constantly looking for good uh, topics to discuss, and sometimes I draw a blank. Um, You know, during Mercury Retrograde, I had quite a few brain fuzzy um, moments, I have to say, and I've been working with that energy um, to see how I could push myself and how, in what ways, um, it was kind of a useless fool's errand to push myself, right? So always kind of the push and pull of um, that spiritual inquiry of rest and production and rest and production. And speaking of which, today's topic is cycles for witches. And I really wanted to kind of bring it back down to basics as I see it of how we can understand a certain level of cycle uh, in our own lives, the cyclical life that we have. And um, so I'm excited to share that with you, just kind of my musings on that. First, though, a bit of housekeeping. I'd like to give you kind of a business update of what I'm doing, what I'm up to, how you can work with me, because things are shifting and spring is coming. So as that cycles through, I have, you know, begun to look at and I did this a lot over Mercury Retrograde. It was happening in my 10th house which is the house of career and legacy, responsibility. And um, with that time, I really started to look at all of my offerings, what it is that I'm doing in the world through this work, and what it is I really want to offer, and what is kind of maybe a suck of time. And, you know, it's not a huge change, I would say, in in some ways. And many of you maybe just listen to this podcast and aren't aware of some of the other things that I do or have not worked with me on a one-to-one basis. And so maybe there's no change. You know, you just continue to listen to this podcast and, 
and glean whatever you can from this. And and that's completely okay. I'm going to continue to do this podcast. I love it. I'm a verbal processor as a Gemini rising (laughs) Virgo sun person. And I have a Leo moon. So um, I really love to hear my own (laughs) voice. And I really love to share and I love to speak um, through. And uh, if you've listened to a bunch of these podcasts, then you know that, um, you know, the way I kind of meander through different topics is uh, sometimes very Gemini and Mercurial and others, um, I'd like to think it, it, it is, you know, very linear and, and constructed well. So it just kind of depends on the mood I'm in. If you're new here, welcome. So nice to have you. I'm very excited about how the podcast is kind of shifting um, or growing in audience. Um, I watch the numbers, you know, not obsessively, but I look at them and, you know, it's growing and I'm so excited for that. So, you know, thank you for sharing this podcast. If you've shared that with your friends Uh, you've been listening and um, or if maybe you have even reached out because of hearing this podcast and let me know it's a very um, I'm very honored and thankful for that okay so real business updates right so the tarot collective now I have for the last year been teaching tarot and I ran three sessions, uh, one in the summer, basically, of 2019, one in the fall of 2019, and then I have um, began one the winter, basically January of 2020. And that is in its last week. Wednesday is our last live Q&A. And um, this course has been a, a real amazing, it's just been just a real well of delicious community for me every time I get new students and and even as I work through the eight weeks of material with everyone and hear their questions and hear uh, how they're experiencing their intuition coming through with tarot and how they're using that tool of divination to better themselves or at least to um, listen to themselves you know Um, Tarot has this ability to kind of tap into something that's an undercurrent, right? So we always have a reaction to these images. And in my course, I really, really encourage everyone to kind of come to their own interpretation of the cards before looking to artists and traditional definitions, associations, because I feel like that really anchors your um, intuitive practice. And so it's definitely a tool for intuition. It's a tool for evolution. And it's a fantastic one uh, for witches who are, are seeking to really learn how to use their intuition and to tap into that more often. Um, it can also be used, of course, for spell work and altar work. And um, I use that a bunch in my practice where I'll put a tarot card on the altar because I want to draw that energy in. Um, or maybe I'll neutralize it by putting a piece of black tourmaline on a card. Or perhaps I will intentionally turn a card reversed or upright, uh, depending on the energies. So there's so much spell work that can be done with the cards. And that course is um, just kind of like my first baby of painted goddess really it's the first thing first course that I created and it really reminded me of how much I enjoy teaching and how much I enjoy course creation curriculum creation and um, I've been told by my students that it's very um, good (laughs) Uh, 
paraphrasing. <laughs> and, and so I hope that there are people out there that maybe still want to do this work. I am shifting that course, though. It's going to go evergreen starting this month. Oh, my goodness. A hummingbird just came and drank from my hummingbird feeder right in front of me. Um, so that reminds me that this course is, you know, much bigger than I probably recognize in terms of its ability to nourish and bring joy to those who are on the path. And I really have offered it from my heart. And it's normally been the last three times I've um, sold the course, we had a container and everybody came in as a group. I offered live weekly Q&As and there's a Facebook group where we can all kind of do um, do the work of sharing what we um, intuitively get from the cards so we can you know learn from each other as well, which is why I call it the Tarot Collective. And so going forward, as it becomes an evergreen product, which just means that, you know, you can get it anytime, you can join the container at any time, um, you can come back to the work, of course, anytime, if you've already been a student. Um, and there will definitely, I assume, be an ebb and flow, a cycle to that, even, um, even though it's available all the time. But basically, I'm shifting my focus to... Um, to building another kind of container. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in a moment, but the Tarot Collective course is gonna be just available all of the time. The Facebook group will still be alive and well. I will likely go live in there every other month or so and host Q and A's. And when you are a student, you'll get a notification of that. So I may not go live in the group, but I would um, invite everyone to a Zoom class, you know, and you can come in. You know, one of the challenges has been re recognizing that um, I'm outside and the wind is blowing. So hopefully the uh, cover on my microphone is good enough. I just really wanted to be outside today. Um, that, you know, the, the challenge has been when, even when I had a lot of students in the course, I would only ever have two, maybe three uh, people show up consistently for the lives. And the challenge is just that everybody's got different schedules, everyone has the different ability to be there. And part of it is my boundaries around, you know, working on the weekends. And of course, that, that could be, uh, you know, different too, you know, everybody just kind of has different schedules. So I found that that wasn't um, a good use of my time. And I just started to really see how um, creating that course as a container each time spent a lot of my energy focusing on, you know, worrying about um, how, it, how everyone would show up and, and how great the container would be if more people showed, you know, all of this thinking around wishing more people would show up for the lives and be in the collective together. And, you know, it's, um, I think it's just fine. You know, all of the circles that we had, all of the live Q and A's that we've had, you know, have been beautiful and I'm excited to continue to have that grow and I see it five years down the road having, you know, hundreds of students um, and and which means that on any one given live, there could be 10 or 15 people, um, you know, it's just a matter of, I think, um, that work spreading and, and having it be a little more accessible. Of course, the course does come out every week, you know, the, the content would drip out, but 
you can come into it any time. So you can start any time. And um, that's going to go evergreen. My schedule for it is at the new moon in Aries, which is on the 24th. Um, I may do it a little early um, as a soft lunch on the 19th and, and give that uh, notice to my uh, email list that it's open for enrollment. And despite my, um, probably my coach's uh, <laughs> um, uh, recommendations, I'm going to lower the price. Right now, the price is $297, and I'm going to lower it to $222. Um, I really feel like, um, you know, it's, it's not, that's not, a, like a ton cheaper. I think it would still, you know, but <clears throat> I've always allowed payments to be made. I'll probably do, um, a payment schedule where you can do a payment schedule and then you'll be dumped into the course and the course will start for you once you pay it off. It will always be a prepay. Um, but if you need a payment schedule that will still be available and um, yeah, I just wanted to open it up and let it go. <laughs> so I know a bunch of you have, have wanted and have reached out and asked about the course. So it's going to be available evergreen very, very soon. Okay, enough about that for the moment. Um, the other part of my business, which is really kind of dun dun dun, -dun I have been working on something called Moon School for about a year. And I... You know, this this moon school work comes from the inspiration of the, the work that I do with the moon. I'm a you know, I'm a very lunar witch. I watch the moon cycles. I hold new moon circles with the Wild Woman Project. I uh, spend a lot of my ritual um, workings uh, focused on the lunar cycle. And so moon school felt like a really like juicy course that I wanted to create. And as it started to show itself to me, moon cycle awareness has just exploded. And not to say that my work wouldn't be any different than someone else's who's doing the work. It would be. <laughs> um, not to say that anybody's is, you know, it's just I create things that are very much what I would want, right? And some people want that and some people want what other people have got and that's amazing. That's why there's room for everyone. But I recognized that what I'm really wanting to teach and what people really want to learn is the larger container of astrology. And, um, and it's one of the things I've resisted teaching. <laughs> Notice like I created a tarot class first, even though you know, I've, I have spent less time studying tarot, um, you know, in, in that kind of like really, you know, or, uh, microscopy way, um, then I have astrology. Astrology, I started learning when I was about nine years old. And I mean, I have drenched myself in it ever since. I'm 41, so that's a long time. And I had imposter syndrome around it for a really long time. And every time I hear another astrologer's take on things, I kind of absorb what's useful and, and, and release the rest, which I think is what we should all do when we're learning tools and learning how to navigate our spiritual journeys, right? Things speak to us. And so I think it's really important for me to step into what I most resist, which is teaching astrology 
And so there will always be the lunar um, aspect to it. And um, something over the Mercury retrograde really presented itself quite beautifully. And it, it of course, came through one of my mentors and teachers, uh, April McMurdy, who created the Moon is My Calendar uh, calendar and, and journal, Moon Journal, which I use, uh, for lack of a better word, well, there isn't a there is a better word ritualistically rather than religiously. Um, and so I'm really excited to uncover my new program, which is a monthly program, and it's called Astrologic Lab. So that's it. That's my big announcement. I'm creating an Astrologic Lab. It's a monthly subscription program to learn astrology with me. You'll learn to chart your growth cycle, your cycles of all the planets. Um, I will be taking, you know, just as the, uh, you know, let me back up the Montessori method, which I'm obsessed with. She actually shares my birthday. Uh, Maria Montessori is, you know, there's these intent invitations to play and invitations to learn. And so my intention with this work is to create a container where we are learning by the moon cycle about the energies and symbols and signs, the zodiac signs, the planets, and apply them to your own chart. And then to take this, this amazing work, and again, April McMurdy introduced me to this book called The Book of Houses, which will be required um, reading for anyone who comes into the Astrologic Lab. And it's an astrological guide to the harvest cycle in human life. Now, this book is a man wrote it, two men, actually. Very, very good book. And I'm not saying like men can't write good books about astrology. But when I read this book, I thought, how does this apply to the moon cycle? Because they're basing their work off of a solar cycle, which is a year, right? So how does the work of the moon integrate with this work? And how can we kind of in tandem create a map of a harvest cycle around the moon cycles? And so I'm very excited to dig into this. I've been researching and like all of this stuff has been constellating and, um, you know, kind of dripping into my head, downloading from all of the, you know, knowledge and research that I have been um blessed to kind of run into all serendipitous um and i'm really 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 fucking excited about it so um it's going to be um launched in earnest in a couple of weeks and um one of the holdbacks for me is a price point i'm just not sure i know the value of it is a lot i know the value of this work is a lot and that the transformation that it offers is huge and I could probably charge a lot of money for it and have people in it that are really dedicated to the work. And that's one of these things that I push up against all of the time is, you know, I didn't take any of the trainings that I paid barely anything for seriously. And that is true for my students. You have to have some skin in the game. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a paid monthly program where people are showing up for the work, they're in for it. But I also want it to be 
accessible and where you can kind of do it in five minutes a day or even, you know, 20 minutes a week and really still feel engaged and up to speed because every student that I know needs to feel like accomplished and engaged. And as a teacher, that's my biggest value is to keep people engaged and encourage them to keep showing up for the work. And the students that I've had that have really taken the time to show up for it have always told me how much they gain from it, how much wisdom that they found within themselves that they hadn't even known was there, and how much more confidence they have once, you know, kind of tuning into the tools. And so I've recognized that one of my gifts is to really um, distill certain types of large concepts and information into, you know, really edible pieces. And this, of course, takes time. So I'm really excited that, you know, the first month's content has been downloaded, but it's not come to fruition. And I'm just right now I've had a bit of panic and Mercury's just gone direct, which we'll talk about in the in a little bit. Um, but things became very clear as soon as Mercury went to, went direct, which I was like kind of crossing my fingers about. And so the last thing I'm like I said, I'm waffling over is the cost, the price point. So if anybody who's super, super interested in this work wants to put in a bid and say, like, this is how much you should charge or how much you <laughs> I'm open for bids, I guess. But um, I have a number in mind and um, I think it's very affordable. I think that it's very accessible, but it also, um, you know, hurts a little bit. It makes you pay attention to it, right? It's not... It's not a $5 gym membership that you never go to, right? The Astrologic Lab is a place you want to show up to because you're paying for it and because it's valuable to you. And just like anything that's valuable to us, like we love that we can access it and pay for it, right? Like I'm, yeah, like some days I'm like, man, I wish cable was cheaper, but I value my entertainment very much. So I'm happy to be able to pay Comcast for, uh, <laughs> for for their services, right? And so I just wanted to put that out into the universe now as we're getting closer to the new moon in Aries when my like uh, self-imposed deadline is to launch this project and to also just kind of have the caveat that it may not come to fruition that quickly um, on paper and in the world. So uh I know some of you have been waiting for this. I've been um, kind of, you know, uh, teasing it for a while. And so many of you have reached out and I'm so grateful. And I hope that, you know, I just want to make it right. And there's you, you, I'm sure all of you can understand when you're putting something into the world and you just don't know um, how it's going to go. Um, but I'm basically putting most of my eggs in this basket going forward, I really want to go all in on the Astrologic Lab and really grow it as a, you know, in a, in a, like an engulfing kind of program where it's this university in the world of, of astrology and how to use it for your personal growth. So there it is. There's that. So <laughs> I love you guys. And, uh, and that's my podcast. Bye-bye. No, <laughs> just choking. Um, a few things. 
also in the housekeeping arena of this podcast. I really want to encourage you, now is the time for picking out your seeds for your garden. If you have never grown a garden as a witch, I highly encourage you to pick a couple of seeds for herbs, even mint. Okay, something simple. Get a seeds, grow some plants. Plant them on the new moon in Aries, which is on March 24th and take care of them. Don't overwhelm yourself. It doesn't have to be a fucking huge, massive garden. You don't have to buy yourself a greenhouse. Get one single pot and grow some mint or grow some uh, some kind of flower that really brings you joy, okay? Mint is very useful. Um, rosemary is also very useful. Grow something from a seed. Do a little bit of research on how to germinate that seed well and plant it on the new moon in Aries and give it a lot of good juju. I promise you, as that plant begins to grow, you will learn so much about yourself and about the natural world. It will astound you. Okay. On the other side of this intro piece. I always like to do a little bit of, you know, and then I do my little ad right for Spotify. If you're if you're new, you don't know that yet, but it's coming. <laughs> uh, girls got to run a business. Um, so here's my little cosmic weather update. OK, Mercury is direct. It's in its post shadow phase. And what that means is that there are 14 degrees in in the 360 degrees of the astrological wheel in which Mercury went forward and then backward and then forward over again. It's like a windshield wiper on 14 degrees of a place. Mercury does this about three or four times a year. This year it will be three times. This February 16th, it went uh, retrograde. So it has a pre-shadow and then a retrograde phase and then a post-shadow. And that just means that those 14 degrees, it's going over again, either backwards or forwards, right? So it goes twice for, it goes forwards, then backwards, then forwards again. Same degrees. So this place in your chart is being activated. It's being, um, you know, used as a message. You know, Mercury is the messenger. So um, for those of you who came in and did the Mercury retrograde exploration, I hope that that was nourishing for you. I think that that's part of the wisdom of astrology and working with its patterns, working with the messages of the planets as they transit through your natal chart and kind of activate pieces of your psyche, pieces of your life, aspects of your humanity, everything, right? Mercury is always concerned with technology and communication and can be this messenger of what's not working. So now in the post shadow, okay, Mercury went direct on the 9th. Uh, which was yesterday, as I'm recording this, it went uh, direct on Monday, the 9th of March. And, um, you know, it went direct at uh, 28 degrees Aquarius and is headed forward now. And um, so it's it's still in Aquarius. It's still like 20, 28, 29 degrees Aquarius. And it's going to be in its post shadow phase until the 30th of March when it heads into on the 31st of March, it'll head into um, the next degree of Pisces, which is the 13th degree. So it'll head out of that little shadow period, right? So until then, we have this chance to really do it over. It's a do-over time. It's putting things back together with what remains of what works. So do not 
take the things that fucking broke during metro during metrograde during retrograde and put them back into your system okay without fixing them without tinkering a little bit okay now is the tinker readjust you know resettle time period that's the shadow that's what it's for okay the retrograde was showing you what's not working okay and maybe sometimes the pre-shadow shows you a preview of what's not gonna work right you get these little inklings you're like oh shit that's looking a little a uh, little uh like a hot mess right your car your your uh your internet your your phone system your wiring my plumbing went all fuckers right i had to buy a new dishwasher you guys so um and that's you know pisces uh, having a mercury retrograde in pisces that's its little little fun fun house <laughs> so what watering things went 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 weird right and water also is associated with your emotional life um and so feeling maybe like an emotional mess is kind of par for the course for a per, uh, pisces mercury retrograde so i did have a, an episode where i talked really specifically about it a few back and go back and listen to that but you also could decide to do the work I have a workbook. It's available until the 30th of March. And to be honest, like it's going to be available. There's three workbooks for this year. The first one, um, you know, has already been um, uploaded and everything. So all you have to do is go and purchase it off of my website. And you're sent um, a series of emails that has a video class and a workbook and then some reflection pieces. And then um, days after you'll get a guided meditation, which was already sent to all my current students for this work. And it's really a DIY of how to use astrology to heal parts of yourself and to work through this cosmic energy, you know, right? So to kind of ride the cosmic weather, so to speak. So if that's something that you're interested in, you know, please, please go and check it out at paintagoddess.com slash classes. And uh, you can still, you can even buy ahead of time the next two retrograde cycles. Um, we'll have one in the sign of Cancer and in the sign of Scorpio. So it's all water signs this year. It's all about deepening that emotional intelligence and awareness, uh, feeling uh, into, you know, what messages are our is our body and our emotions telling us, you know, like how are we cultivating our spidey sense, basically? How can we deepen our intuition? Okay. So yeah, so Mercury is direct, woo, and uh, the sun is actually now in the last decan of Pisces. So you know each sign has um, thirty degrees basically. Well, and it starts at zero degrees and it goes to twenty nine degrees, and so we're in this last decan, this last ten degrees of Pisces right now, and this is really about mastery. So of course the the retrograde amplified that learning time, that testing time. And now we're really in that integration of how do we feel more? How do we feel not necessarily better, but how do we tune into our feelings more? How do we honor our emotional lives more? How do we honor our intuition and our spiritual life more? And I'm reminded, I was watching last night, I was scrolling through Instagram, and Marianne Williamson, who was at one point a candidate for the presidency in 2020, um, she put out a meditation last night about the coronavirus. It was basically a, me a healing meditation, uh, you know, asking for divine golden light to wash over every part of your body. And while her leanings are a little more Christian than mine, she obviously has 
um, worked with many people who are not Christian and always kind of has the caveat of if you're Buddhist or this or that. Of course, she never speaks to us pagans, but that's okay. I had a really beautiful meditation where I envisioned the grandmothers. I was in this temple and I was lying on this very comfortable marble slab, which sounds counterintuitive, but it was very comfortable. And the grandmothers came and kind of shook their magic all over me and gold dust kind of came and seeped into my body and washed me. And I can't tell you how important it is to remind ourselves of our strength through times of crisis. And with the virus that is basically taken over so much of our mental space, and I know so many people who, you know, even before a huge crisis like this, however big or small you think it is, there are definitely people who are more or less in danger, you know, in health, you know, in health danger. And however you see that, there's this low level anxiety that's kind of feeding fear. And the antidote for fear uh, is compassion and forgiveness and acceptance in my mind. And so when we accept that our bodies actually do have quite a lot to say about how we accept um, illness and stress into our lives, we do get to, there are tools for, and there are ways to kind of soothe our soul and our hearts, even in those kinds of times. So um, especially as witches, you know, we know um, our minds are and our meditative um, journeys are part of the spell work, part of the healing. So remember to tell yourself in the morning, you're strong, you're resilient. Um, and do not let that feel small. It's a big thing to remember your strength even when it feels scary. So we can have, we can hold both things, right? We're humans. We always hold darkness and light. We always hold both things. Don't talk yourself out of or delusion yourself into thinking everything's going to be fine only. It's 50-50. And whenever these things happen, um, I think it's, it's one or the other. We feel like we have to put our heads in the sand or we completely uh, get this alarmist kind of um, attitude. And um, so I know a lot of wonderful healers who are putting really good information into the world. And I've seen a lot of that. And I'm so grateful for everyone who's um, offering what they can. And, um, and that includes, um, you know, mentally, uh, you know, kind of holding and shouldering some of the some of the weight of those who can't help themselves by offering healing services like meditations um, that I watched last night. Okay, so on the other side of this uh, podcast, I'm going to talk about cycles more, and I hope that you'll join me. See you in a minute. Welcome back, witches. All right, so it's been a day since I recorded that first part of the podcast, and quick housekeeping on that. I feel really bad that I even mentioned uh, that a man wrote the book of houses as if I, I realize my own, there's not a word for misogyny against men. Um, I don't think, but I definitely, well, sexism. I definitely am sexist. Um, I recognize this. I'm working on it. 
Um, it's one of the things that I think has been informed by my experience as a, a cisgendered white woman in America, and um, I'm not perfect, never have claimed to be, although I definitely think on this platform I should um, elevate myself to a higher standard, and I just want to say that um, in case I have any men listening, like, I just feel like that was my sexism showing, and um, anyways... Back to the topic at hand. So we're talking about cycles today. And interestingly enough, I've filled a lot of my mind with um, news coming out. You know, we're in, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in King County. They've now put a quarant or a shutdown on all events over 250 people in public. I am considering pulling out of a show that I'm doing this weekend where I was going to tarot read. And... I just want to like let everybody know, you know, that it's important to seek good information at this point. It's really good to consider your mental health alongside of your physical health. And I think the work that I've always advocated or seek to advocate is a holistic approach to everything. And I had, I wanted to share just before coming home, I had an interaction with a woman. I went to the corner store near my house and they happened to have some more I, I, alcohol. They had uh, bottles of alcohol. So I bought some. I always have aloe vera at the house. So I'm going to make some hand sanitizer. And um, so I was in line and the woman who owns the store with her husband, um, she, um, you know, kind of nods and, and, you know, kind of gestures to the alcohol. And, <clears throat> and I said, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make some hand sanitizer. And, and, uh, the woman and I, and then she kind of mentioned, you know, she doesn't speak, um, very good English. And so she just kind of motions this, like, you know, fists with her muscles and, you know, and she says, we're strong. And I said, yes, I think we are really strong and we're going to, you know, we're going to get through this. It's just going to take some time to cycle through, incidentally. Um, and the woman behind me in line, um, you know, she says, I think so too. You know, she says, sorry not to interrupt your conversation. And I just felt moved. I said, you know, yeah, I think we really are going to end up, you know, getting on the other side of this with um, a lot of, of learning about what it's like to live through something like this. We haven't really done that in a while. And the woman said, yeah, you know, my my wife, she's um, she has immune uh, disorder. She has an immune um, uh, autoimmune disease. And so she's stayed home for the last three weeks. And I said, yeah, you know, it's probably best that she do that for herself. And and um, she said, yeah, it'd be really good if she turned off the news. And I said, yeah, that's really good. And it made me think of just this mental state, this emotional mental connection and how that can influence our bodies. And of course, in this first segment, I mentioned the the meditation offered by Marianne Williamson. And um, I also work with an, an incredible little organization here in the Pacific Northwest called Work Well Northwest. They offer um, yoga classes and meditation classes and uh, resilience training to um, corporate, uh, at the corporate level. Um, and many of their... Um, uh, clients are um, hospitals and healthcare workers, right? Because these people are under stress a lot. 
and now more than ever for sure. But even on a normal instance, you know, they they um, have an incredible amount of stress, and and so they need this work to be incorporated in their their workplace culture. And that's um, my personal belief, and um, and that's the work that Workwell does. And so my boss, she offered um, a, an online meditation for, um, for, for um, allowing in, um, taking in the good is what it's called. And it's just a five minute meditation. And <clears throat> I was struck in that moment to share. I said, you know, do you mind if I share something? And she's like, oh, no, please, you know, if you've got any suggestions. And uh, at that point, my body started tingling from head to toe, it was like I was a lightning rod. And the woman goes, do you feel that? And I said, yeah. And it was really, it was like all of, all of a sudden, I was just lit up and I'm, I'm again lit up right now talking about it. And she said, um, wow, that's, that's incredible. I said, you know, I think, I think that, and I mentioned, you know, doing meditations, I mentioned the, the app Insight Timer, which is, um, is a an app that offers meditations and um there's a lot of free content on there there is ways you can support the people who offer meditations there um but there's a lot of free meditation um on there and ones that help with you know pulling in healing light and and really um you know there is um there's also you know proof that meditation and you know and uh and that and that stress reduction makes your body stronger, you know, that your immune response is, is better. And so of course, at this point, we can do everything we can. And I told her, you know, she, I said, and um, this was, this was brought on by me saying this next thing was brought on by a question that um, a friend of mine, Suan Lee, who um, she's one of my witchy friends in the world, I met her at a gathering with Kim Bijak, and we are in a few of the same witch groups online. And she asked the question, what chakra do you think this virus is connected to? And this comes from the work of Carolyn Mice, who I've, you know, definitely mentioned before. And um, the Anatomy of the Spirit book that I think changed my life, um, thinking about our energetic body. And she is in a medical intuitive, Carolyn Mice is, and, you know, she related the polio virus to the root chakra and there's um, a great deal of work she did to kind of put that into perspective in that way which was very powerful for me to read and so when Suan asked this question I immediately just felt heart I felt heart and so I told this woman and since then you know of course many of my friends um, one of my friends Suzette who's a heart math coach um, through the heart math institute in California um, you know, she, uh, she had this, um, saying called heart armor, talking about heart armor and a lot of, um, you know, resilience can come from, you know, opening the heart chakra, really toning the heart chakra, the energetic field that is your heart. And so I said to the woman, I said, you know, I think this is a disease of the heart. You know, we've shut down a lot and we're all really susceptible. And it's interesting because it is a respiratory infection. It goes into the lungs. Um, and it's one of those where, um, you know, the whole chest, that heart chakra, it's very air, air, air related, right? And because oxygenation from, you know, goes into the blood and all of these things, it's all connected here in this, in the chest area. And 
again, she said, wow, do you feel that? And I said, yeah, my body was just lit up. And um, I just needed to share that with you. You know, we left um, and as we were getting into our own cars, her car happened to be facing mine on the side of the road. And she mouthed, thank you. She was like, when, before we left, she's like, you're going to make me cry. And I felt it too. It was just a very um, amplified experience in my body. And so I just wanted to share that with you all that, you know, take care of your heart. Take care of your heart and, um, and protect your heart in a way that allows you to be agile, right? The heart armor that we've put on, the way we've become hard to each other, the way that we've isolated ourselves. And while, you know, a social distancing is a thing now, we definitely want to respect the distance. We've, you know, we've, we've found this to be true. What keeps coming up over and over again is, um, for me, is, is this heart-centered living that we need to get in tune with. We need to tune into our hearts and to really listen to what's going on in there because it is a untapped, for most of us, an untapped, constant companion and ally to loving what is, to accepting the moment, and, you know, our gut mind, right, receives all these threats and it sends straight up to the brain and your brain starts to tell stories and it starts to, you know, this is the pandemic, right? The pandemic of fear and that kind of runs rampant and we can definitely um, work on our heart space to help combat that, I think. And um, becoming more resilient and, and helping your immune system, you know, yoga and meditation and different kinds of embodiment practices have proven to really help with re resilience. Um, and also, you know, human connection. So stay connected to people, reach out to people that you love right now, send correspondence, share your heart with them in, in safe spaces, right? Share your heart. And, um, you know, that may involve fear and it may involve some discomfort. Um, but I think the worst thing we can do right now is completely shut down and live in our heads about this, right? Bring it down into the heart and really feel what's there. Okay. <laughs> I just had to share that with you. So thank you. And I hope that that serves you in some way. Um, and if you're more interested in some of that work that I just mentioned, I'll put the links in the show notes. Okay. All right. So cycles, how to bewitch them is really what I'm thinking about, you know, and the, I wanted to start with the definition of bewitch, which is cast a spell on or gain control over. And then, you know, they do a, a parenthesis, someone by magic. And I want to really redefine that word. And, you know, this is redefinition is a way to cast a new spell. So, you know, redefining different terms for yourself that serve you, right? If it's served, you know, selfish comes to mind, the word selfish, can be a spell we cast on ourselves. Oh, I'm selfish for doing this thing that benefits only me, right? And yet when we spend time being quote unquote selfish, there is a resilience that's built when we are <clears throat> connected again to our heart and making sure that we have that inner wisdom all lined up and connected. We're checking in with our body. We're checking in with the fear. We're checking in with the stories that we're making everything mean, right? Because when something happens, we can make it mean whatever we want and that creates a feeling. Now, it's not to say that you should ignore the everything that's going on, right? Some things are terrible and they will make you feel terrible. 
that is part of life that is part of being human and when we when we act as though this is that love and light thing being kind of toxic when we when we completely wash everything in love and light and say oh well you know you got to stay positive you got to you know no that actually doesn't always serve we want to feel those discomfortable this this uncomfortable feeling of fear in some way we just have to actually place it where it belongs and I think um, our hearts can help to navigate uh, where that goes. So the spell casting we can do with redefining words is such a witchcraft, right? Don't forget that there is witchcraft in redefining words, okay? Redef I mean, I've been on a, a rampage of redefining the word witch, in fact, and, um, you know, calling myself a witch and then, you know, moving about the world in a way that people may not associate with being a witch, right? I think for a long time, people would associate if you're a good person, you must be a Christian. And, you know, this is not necessarily true, of course. And um, I think it's damaging to um, not point out, um, you know, things when they are um, mis misrepresented re misrepresented and also um you know can be damaging so to redefine the word bewitch um i think is kind of fun and and because we want to bewitch the cycles right so for me bewitching is to cast a spell and not necessarily gain control over, right? Because to me, um, uh, being a witch, we're not seeking, I'm not. My, my, my way of witchcraft is not to seek control over. It's to gain um, self-knowledge, right? It's one of the first credos of witchcraft is to know thyself. <clears throat> and so when I bewitch something, it's, it's, it's me placing um, it it's casting a spell and to not gain control over, but to gain wisdom with. And then to maybe even cast a spell by doing something of service, even if that is creating an altar um, that brings my attention to that which I love, that which I have, you know. So you might create an altar to your heart this week. You know, what is on my heart? And it may include things that disturb you. It might include things that scare you. And then it also can bring in things that help you to feel um, as though from a larger perspective, you know, we are in a cycle and that all cycles shift, all energy moves. We literally do that all of the time. And as, you know, this, this crisis, you know, kind of takes its course, we get to decide how we respond. We get to decide how we navigate it in, in as much as we can in every moment, right? And, and there are so many levels to that, right? And so being there with yourself, with your heart, can cast a new spell and, and find what you can control, right? You can only control your thoughts, feelings, and actions. I'm a firm believer in that. I say it all the time. And I want you to remember, you know, is this a thought? Is this a feeling? Is this an action? And if it's not then you have to release control. And the ease that comes from releasing control about that to some degree can cause uh, side effects of peace and, and a little bit of, um, you know, loving, loving moments that you can have, right? And, and, and counting those blessings. So let's bewitch this cycle 
And, um, you know, notice too, um, that's the spell, the casting a spell. Who else is casting spells? Well, right now, you know, society is really casting a spell about what this should mean to everyone. And um, if there's no knowledge behind it, it can be really damaging too. Um, I have a lot of friends who are not taking this seriously. I have a lot of friends who are taking this seriously. And I think there is this unfolding story that's that's kind of happening around the globe right now. And um, yeah, I'm so there's so much minded towards that. So I hope that you will reach out. I hope that you know that you are strong. I hope you know that you are resilient, even if you are one of those people that are in uh, the demographics that are at risk right now, there's still um, access to resiliency. It's built into your body. And I encourage you to find ways and tools to tap into that and find healers that speak to you, people who speak to you, offering meditations, offering, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and wisdom that can help you to remember that resilience, to remember that strength, and to remember that you have all you need within you to navigate these these troubled times, right? These tough times. So let's just, yeah, let's do a moment of just breathing. You might even just, um, if you're driving, you know, obviously you don't want to close your eyes, but put your hand on your heart and take a few nice deep breaths and just settle into, and for a moment, just ask, what are you feeling as if speaking to your heart? You know, taking that watcher uh, perspective. You know, we all have a watcher within us. And to just acknowledge what's there in the heart. And then not to try and change it or shift it in any way, but just giving it some gentle okayness, right? You almost can... Um, hold it in a way. The strong part of you can hold the, the soft and vulnerable parts of you. Almost as if, you know, it, as if you're holding a child. Right? And remembering we have the power to, to soothe ourselves, to self-soothe in a way that honors the, the fear or, or pain or um, suffering that we may have but then also understand that we have both things within us. We also have something that's strong. And it doesn't mean that that strong thing kind of stands <laughs> as a sentinel, you know, blocking everything, right? Because you can't protect those parts of yourself necessarily, but you can hold them and hold space for them. But noting, noting that the growth and expansion and cycles that happen in this world are always happening and when we kind of unlock that peace unlock that wisdom for ourselves and we really feel it for me something shift when I recognized you know these are cycles cycles shift um, I notice when I say always or never I notice when I am you know saying oh this always happens right that never happens why do I always do this if there's ever a story that involves a, an always or a never that's when you can show up and remind yourself, is that true? You question that thought. Is that true? Find a proof that proves otherwise and just say, okay, well, that's true. And this is also true. Because we have this capacity to hold both things. And that is actually this polarity that feeds cycles. 
So you might imagine that a cycle, I like to see it as a as an infinity symbol. Some people see it as a simple circle, and I think both serve. There are more cyclical patterns that are circles. There are more um, infinite kinds of cycles that are more more in, an, in a, a figure eight, right? That kind of sway back and forth between polarities and maybe meet each other in the middle. Um, in witchcraft, there are several kinds of cycles. Personally, I work a lot with the wheel of the year, which is, of course, a cycle of two halves of the year, giving to the darkness, giving to the light. So that cycle of the of the seasons that kind of feed the next season, right? We can't really have a blossoming, sprouting, blooming spring if we never plant the seeds in the in the darkness in the winter time, right? Many plants don't survive through a winter um, if they don't send all the sugars and proteins down into their roots and really nourish the roots, right? So that they stay alive. And then once the sun comes back, they send out those leaves to get more energy, right? So everything kind of has this growth, death, rebirth cycle. And there are many more maybe um, words along the way that you can, you know, identify. And I really encourage you to do that practice, maybe draw a circle or draw a figure eight and put on two ends of the polarity, like, you know, the two things that you're dealing with that feel polar opposite, maybe one that you're really in, and then one that you can't imagine feeling right now, right? Those are the polar opposites. And then see how you can um, imagine a story where that cycle gets connected and keeps flowing. Something that comes up for me right now is the picture of the daughter of wands in the Wild Unknown Tarot. And the daughter of wands is a snake that is in an infinity symbol and it's kind of... Um, swirling around this branch that's got blooms on it like cherry blossom branch and one of my students in the tarot collective in one of our lives said this makes me feel as if there's this constant regrowth happening like it's honoring this cycle of regrowth and and death and and I said oh my goodness that's so intuitive I think that that was just really beautiful and it struck me again and again when I've read with that card, thinking this is the genius of cycles. This is the genius of that fire element, right? That it can kind of hold embers for itself when it's not getting new fuel. And then in a moment can spark up into a huge flame and consume, right? And... Um, so these cycles can kind of speak to us and we can kind of start to work with the story of a cycle. And you might do this with your own life, storytelling, you know, thinking about the different cycles you've been through. And a really lovely way to do that, I think, is of a Jupiter cycle. I've talked about this before. I did a reading for 2020, um, and uh, which was the Jupiter year ahead. And I offered, um, you know, basically... Uh, an astrologist tarot reading of a year ahead spread for Jupiter's transit through Capricorn. And when we look at a Jupiter cycle, it's 12 years-ish. And so think about each 12-year section of your life, <clears throat> wherever you are on that, on that um, progress, right? So 12, 24, 36, 48, 60, right? 
so interesting to look at our lives in that maybe increment and think, well, what did I cycle through in that time? And what was, you know, what was the growth cycle? Because really Jupiter does represent growth and expansion. So that cycle kind of starts over every um, 12 years <clears throat> and activates our own 12 houses, right? So that's what's happening there. It's pretty brilliant um, and really amazing. And I think, um, you know, the housing system for astrology, the 12 house system can be very, very uh, helpful indeed when you're looking at cycles in your life. Notice you can break it down and expand it out. So we've got a Jupiter cycle, which we have many of in our life that goes through those 12 houses. We have a, a Saturn cycle, which is a cycle of a harvest, a larger harvest cycle that takes about 29 years to go through each 12 houses or each house, all the 12 houses. We've got the sun, of course, that takes just a year, right? That's that solar year. That's our Gregorian-ish calendar, right? With the leap year and all that stuff to readjust as we go through. A moon cycle goes through each of the houses, all the 12 houses in one lunar cycle, right? That's why when you see me post about new moons, it's the next zodiac sign all of the time. We just had the new moon in Pisces. Now we're going to have the new moon in Aries on the 24th of March, so there's this cycle, right? <clears throat> and you can decide, I think, one of the lovely things you can do is you can decide at what level you want to watch those cycles. And <laughs> for someone like me who's very Gemini, Mercurial, I'm watching them all and kind of, you know, you, you can get them pretty complex and layered. There's a larger cycle with Jupiter and Saturn. It's called the Grand Conjunction, right? Where they are the Great Conjunction where they meet up together every 30 years, right? So interesting. And so when we look at these cycles, and I know there's astrologers out there that are paralleling um, what's happening today with what happened 100 years ago. There's different cycles going on for sure, things that are getting activated. But, you know, I think it's really important to, you know, tune into what kind of cycle you might really uh, resonate with what speaks to you as a cycle Mars cycles are two years right notice the terrible twos <laughs> Mars is the planet of aggression and kind of like self-assertion and self-expression right so we begin anew every two years we kind of have this new gusto for what we want to be you know so you might follow a Mars cycle and look at that story in your life those are ones that come up for me um, just right off the bat. But every single planet has a cycle that goes through those 12 houses. And so for me, astrology has really been about um, education in cycles. And then when I really started to do the moon work, I really started to, to zero in on the moon cycle work um, from an astrological standpoint, from a holding space standpoint. You know, I've been holding new moon circles for four years with the Wild Woman Project it's been incredible to see these cycles. And again, they, they aren't just necessarily a circle, right? It's a spiral, you know, because every time it, you can see it as an ascension and a, and a descension, the spiral moves up and down at the same time. You're spiraling out from, from all directions, from the center all of the time. These cycles just go, go, go. 
And you can decide again what resonates with you and, and start to dig a little bit. Start to look at how those cycles have taught you about who you are, what you want to be, what is your purpose in life, who are you taking with you, right? There, another thing that comes to mind, you know, there's this saying, you know, people are in our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And you might see some of your relationships as cyclical, Maybe you have friends like I do where we see each other and we don't see each other for quite some time because we live in different parts of the world. But when we come back together, it's like we're constellating. We're like a constellation that gets hit when we're together. And there's this there's this beautiful madness that happens where it feels as though time has not passed. And so for me, remembering this cycle within me, the cycle in the external world that that brings things to me or that I draw to me and that I, that I also produce, that I'm also in a production cycle, right? And that I'm not always productive, right? I struggled quite a bit during Mercury retrograde to produce certain things. Um, it may not have looked like that because I kind of like experienced um, a productive cycle prior to that and I put a bunch of stuff out and then I kind of like knew that I would be a little bit on productive uh, vacation. And while it was still scary, right? It's like, is it ever coming back? Uh, you know, I have those moments. I have to remind myself it never stays away. It always comes back. And again, using the never and always kind of on myself saying, ooh, maybe there are times to use those words where it actually serves. So I encourage you to look at a cycle Think about a cycle that really speaks to you. Um, if you're here, I know you care about astrology. I know you care about tarot. One of the things that I teach in the Tarot Collective is kind of this cyclical way of the story happening, right? And we did the major arcana this week. This is our last week, or last week, rather. This is our last week of kind of integration and kind of looking at the whole deck. And <clears throat> so there's this sense though in the major arcana that there's at least two full cycles right because it goes to from zero the fool to 21 the world right so there's all these and and like somewhere halfway through right uh, at the 10th card is the wheel of the year which is this change point it's that transition it's the turning of the wheel and this wheel is always turning the wheel in the sky keeps on turning in fact and so we are part of this of these cycles and there's small cycles and larger cycles and of course our our time is arranged in this way in astrological time <clears throat> you know and from a earth standpoint you know there are much larger cycles at play and so just depending on what speaks to you I like detailed work I like you know kind of microscopic diving in so a moon cycle really serves me and I've been um, reading the book of houses and the astrologic lab is going to really use that framework to look at a moon cycle with our harvests. What is actually the harvest day for you when it comes to the lunar cycle? Because the moon goes through every uh, sign every month. So while it may seem like the large, it's just like anything where... Um, just like anything. It's just like any way you look at the moon practice, okay, the moon cycle awareness. 
when you look at a new moon in Aries, we're looking backwards and maybe forwards too. Because backwards six months, we've got a full moon in Aries. And forward six months, we've got a full moon in Aries. Right. And a year from now, we've got another new moon from Aries. So there's the there's even within that energy, there's this cross quarter of this larger cycle. And you can kind of pinpoint that. It's very interesting to look at life this way, I think. And um, astrology is such a gift of metaphor and a gift of these um, these archetypes and all of the wisdom that comes from cyclical language because it's feeding the next, right? Pisces season is all about the spiritual, the, the emotional, um, and, and looking kind of being in that dark space, right? It's, Pisces time is very uncomfortable for many people because it's the darkness, People don't like to sit in the darkness. They like to move around and, 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 you know, push towards the light. And I'm already, you know, looking at my garden like, ooh, things are happening, right? Because I want, I want to bring the light to that darkness, right? I want to, I want to balance. I want to, you know, and yet the nourishing pieces have to come from sitting in both places and maybe cycling through them with consciousness and, um, and the moon cycle awareness has really helped me do that. So I'm very excited to kind of dig into this book of houses from a lunar standpoint. Um, but yeah, let me know what, what really lights you up in terms of a cycle. What cycle are you trying to pay attention to? Right? Because I think this can help us get through hard times. Right? What's the cycle? If you, if you experience anxiety or depression or, um, in any way experience uh, productive, you know, if you're an artist and you're really productive certain times and then just you get this blank, right? I mean, we all know we go through cycles. Have you ever tracked them? And not to say that you can stop them from coming, but one of the things I think that astrology as a tool offers us is a remembrance of the cycle itself, number one. Number two, you might actually be able to anticipate how deep a cycle will take you based on some of the energies at play. And right now with the stellium of Pluto, Jupiter and Saturn in Capricorn, it's going deep. It's foundational work. It's digging up the third, you know, crust layer of all the things we've built our lives upon. So this can be very jarring. And the nervous system that we have in our bodies is looking for constantly the reptilian brain is constantly looking for threats and it wants us to um, survive right so it's definitely on the lookout for threats wanting to make sure we're mitigating the risk as much as possible and so when we think oh this is how it's going to be forever usually that's not true right in fact this is the youngest you'll ever be <laughs> and the uh you know, so I was going to say, um, hopefully not the oldest, right? But in this moment, we are all of our pieces. So we don't just go through cycles. We are the echoes of cycles we have experienced. And so when we are consciously looking at cycles, and as I've mentioned, you know, this four years of really looking at my cycles, I've noticed certain things about my blood, 
cycle, my fertility cycle. I've noticed certain things about my productivity cycle. I've noticed certain things about my, um, you know, my feelings, my energetic cycle, right? Because we all need rest. So if I know every 20 days, I'm going to experience an intense kind of burnout. Maybe on day 15, I schedule myself some downtime. And maybe when that 20 day hits, it's not as in, like in, uh, intense. Maybe. Maybe not. But I don't think I've ever regretted scheduling myself a bit of downtime before the storm. So we're in this point, I think, we, we must take control of our minds and we must take control of our nervous system, right? That's one thing we get to gain control over in some form or fashion. Not, of course, not in the, you know, c control could use a refresh too, could use a redefinition um, in, my, in my mind as well. This control can kind of be um, manipulative. It has this association with manipulation, but it can also be um, associated with um, mastery. So it's almost like shifting that word of control. I can gain mastery over my nervous system in some way. And that doesn't mean that it's always good. It just means that when something happens, I respond in a way that's still self-loving, doesn't do harm to myself or others, and doesn't stop my growth. It doesn't put me in paralysis. It doesn't put me in that shame cycle and bring up stories about who I think I am based on other people's casting spells of who they think I am, right? It goes back to me. It goes back to my truth. And of course, having friends who can sing your song of your soul to you, right? This is a quote. I can't remember the origin of it, but it's like a, a true friend is someone who can sing you your soul's song when you've forgotten it. And so reach out to those people in your life, maybe sing them their song, remind them how strong they are and hug your babies. I love you guys. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for listening. If you've benefited from this podcast or enjoyed it in any way, why don't you head over and do me a favor and rate, review, or subscribe. It helps the algorithm find others just like you who are looking for this material. I am so grateful that you're here. If you'd like to work with me, go to paintedgoddess.com and see what is new. Take care.